Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Yes, I'm still, I don't, I don't, I know I don't have the t-shirt on, but I'm still mode of a mood. <laughs> I want to talk to you a bit about that today. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. I opened up this series with this particular um, passage, and um, I want to kind of go back to it. And we can read it together as it's on the screen. Hopefully we can read it. One, two, three. Awesome. Think about that. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. I want you to underline those three points. Speaking, understanding, and thinking. We talked already about your thought life, and we talked about your words, right? I want to talk to you today about how you understand things because this is an indication of where you are, your maturity level, and how you're able to live mode over mood. What is mode over mood? Mode over mood is very simple. It's when you decide to put your mood under the mode by which you should live. Your mode is your purpose. The mode is your core function. It's the setting that God has created you to live in, right? It's why you were put on this planet. It's what you should be doing, right? And if there's one thing that will intercept that is your mood, it's your emotions, right? And if you can think back in your life, maybe you can relate to times that you're moody, now, I'll say this. Sometimes people say women are emotional. I've learned that men could be just as emotional. Amen. I know men ain't going to say nothing, right? But let me tell you how emotions work with men. Men, it's very simple. If you don't do something because you don't feel like it, you've made an emotional decision. I don't feel like talking. Okay, you're being emotional. Yeah. I just don't feel like it. I, I'm just mad. I just, I'm just a little tight. Just give me some space. Emotional, right? So I want you to understand that everybody, whether you're male, whether you're female, everyone has emotions. Emotions were given to you by God. Emotions aren't bad. Emotions are good. They're necessary. But you cannot live mood over mood. You've got to live mood over mood. And that's what we're speaking about, controlling your emotions, controlling how you allow yourself to feel, and more importantly, what you actually allow your emotions to drive you towards. If you're going to fulfill God's plan for your life, if you're going to be successful at what God has called you to be, if you're going to see God's best in your life, you have to control your emotions. Simple as that. Many people have run a wreck. They've run a muck. They've wrecked their lives because they couldn't control how they feel. But that will not be so for you. In the name of Jesus, 
We're going to harness our emotions, and we're going to make sure that it is driven in the biblical order in what God has called us to. And this is how you will live like a super Christian. You can. <laughs> Amen. You can. So he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Like I said two weeks ago, notice, it didn't say I put away childish things to become a man. It didn't say that. So sometimes people say, oh, you want to be mature? Put away childish things. That's what he said. He says, when I became a man, when I became mature, then I put away childish things, which tells you that when you arrive at a place of maturity, sometimes there's still childish things in your life. And what do you do as an adult? As an adult, as a spiritual mature Christian, you recognize what's immature, what's immaterial, what you don't need, what you've outgrown, what's unnecessary, what is beneath you, and you make the decision at that state to say, I need to put this away. I know too much. I know I understand too much now. This is silly. I've been saved for too long. I can't go through this anymore. I'm mature. I'm putting away childish things. That's what maturity looks like. Maturity doesn't come when you put away childish things. It comes, and as a result, you put away childish things. And one of the childish things that you put away is living by impulse, being temperamental, being emotional. And this particular scripture is put smack dab in the middle of what we call the love chapter. Why? Because one of your biggest emotional upheavals many times is how you relate to people. It's hard to be kind. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be loving. All those things are many times factors that cause people to be driven away from the love of God because they're emotionally unstable. But he says, listen, you want to be mature? Put away childish things. One of the biggest childish things is not walking in love. Tit for tat, being argumentative, walking in strife, being unforgiving, being impatient, not being someone who can forbear long, suffer long, not being envious, not being boastful. Those are the things that tell you whether you're mature or not. And many times you know not to be envious, not to be boastful, not to be proud, not to be all these things. You know to walk in love. You know to be patient. You, and you're like, okay, I know it. i am become a man. Now it's time for me to put away childish things. You know, okay, I shouldn't be lazy. I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't, you know, be, be given to my emotions, motivated, then demotivated. Okay, I know, I know all that I need to know. I don't need to hear another sermon about it. I know it. Okay, great. You know it. Now it's time to do what? Put away childish things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to come to a point where you say, I am mature. I'm going to just speak that over your life. I am mature. Yeah, I have become a man. I become a woman. I'm mature. I'm grown in the things of God. Enough is enough. I'm putting away childish things. Oh, I hope that helps you because that's, that's awesome. I want you to see that. Again, you don't do it. To become mature, you do it because you are mature. So, I'm going to start with Psalm 73, 1 to 3, because I want to talk to you about what you understand in life. Your understanding, having good understanding, will keep your emotions in check. You know why people sometimes don't have good emotional stability? Because they don't understand certain things. Understanding is the ability to see the big picture. The big picture. So someone who doesn't have understanding only sees what's in front of them. They only react to what's happening right now, right here. 
The person said that, I'm going to react this way. This is going on, I'm going to do this. But when you have understanding, you see the big picture. Somebody said the big picture. So Psalm 73, I'm going to look at verse 1 to 3. This is David speaking. He once didn't see the big picture. So he, I, want, I think you can relate to this. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Now that first verse is his conclusion to what he understands, but he's going to go into this whole long thing about how he didn't understand that. So he starts off with what he knows, and this is what he says. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Think about that. He comes to the conclusion, God is good. He's good to all, those who are pure. But you know what? I got to a point in my life where I almost made a mistake. I got to a point in my life where I almost slipped. I almost went the wrong way. I almost forgot this understanding. And he begins, we don't have time, but if you want to read this entire chapter, he begins to wonder about how is it that those who could care less about the things of God are doing so well in life. And yet it seems like those who are pure, those who are doing what they should do, those who are living honorably, they're going through more difficulty. I looked at that dynamic and my feet almost slipped. I almost went another way. I almost stopped. I almost began to accuse God of being unfair. I misunderstood some things. Then he comes to a point of understanding, verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. In other words, I got to a point where I came into understanding. I used to be envious of the boastful. I used to look at those who were not living in accordance to God's will. I used to ask myself, is living like a Christian worth it? I used to ask myself, why am I doing this, keeping myself, keeping my integrity? Why am I doing this when I look at the likes of this person and that person and they can care less about the things of God, and things seem to be going well for them, yet I'm struggling. I almost slipped. I almost stumbled. I almost gave in to that feeling. I almost concluded something wrong about God. And this is where mode over mood comes. Let me explain to you. If you're going to live mode over mood, you've got to take your eyes off people. You got to take your eyes off of someone else's journey, someone, someone's path. Many times we look, remember the prodigal son? He came back and his brother was envious and said, how come you're throwing this whole big party for, for, for my brother here? But me, you've never threw a party. This guy wasted all your goods. This guy brought shame to the family name. Me, I've been serving you. All my life, I've been doing good. He 
put his eyes on someone else's journey. I wonder how many of us, we look at other Christians, we look at other people's timeline, other people's Instagram, other people's family life, other people's relationship, other people's businesses, other people's things, and we say, man, how come? And we become envious. Envy is a very sneaky thing. You may think, oh, I don't envy people. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you look at someone, you're like, they don't deserve this. They shouldn't have. Lord, when are you going to strike them? Lord, when are you going to get them for their sin? When are you going to deal with them? Lord, I've been a good, I've been doing it right. I've been serving you right. How about me? My feet almost slipped. I almost stumbled. I almost came to a wrong conclusion. I almost came to a wrong point. He says, then I went to the sanctuary and I understood their end. When you think about that for a second, because a lot of times people are judging other Christians, judging even the world, and they're saying, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. And you don't realize every time you say that, you're disqualifying yourself. Every time you say what someone doesn't deserve, you're disqualifying yourself. You know what I do? When I'm tempted to go that direction, I say, Lord, be even more gracious to them. Help them even more. Show, show them by your goodness and your mercy. Lord, turn them by your goodness. Because I tell you right now, that's what, it did, that, that's what God did for me. It was his goodness that got my... I mean, I used to be afraid of hell, yes. So that got my attention. But after a while, that fear of hell kind of waned, you know? And it was God's goodness that turned me on to God. Like, Lord, I, I be messing up and you stay hooking me up. Jesus, how, how can I continue? You know how, like Joseph said in the, in the book of Genesis, he says, how can I, how can I do this great wickedness? Look, look what God has done for me. He's making me, he's, make, he's elevated me. How can I? May the Lord do that. May he be so good to you that you ask, Lord, how can I? How is it possible that I could do this? David wasn't there, though. He was like, Lord, this ain't right. <laughs> nah, man. Nah. <laughs> this ain't right. This is not right. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and it's not working. My feet almost slipped. And when you start looking at other people, you start living by your emotions and you start moving away from the call of God for your life. I'm telling you, mode over mood requires you to take your eyes off of people and off of their journey and off of what they're doing and why they're where they are. And it causes you to celebrate who God has called you to be. So I live for God. Not because of what I want to get from him, because, no, no, I live for him because I love him. Amen. You live for him because you love him. When your motivation is pleasing him, rather than being pleased by him, it frees you from envy from others. In Jesus' name. I want to give you three misunderstandings that people have that causes them to live mood over mode. I want you to be careful about these three things. One, I already touched on it. One, God is unfair. 
If you think God is unfair, you will live mood over mold. People who think life is unfair try to balance out the fairness by indulging in what they want to do. And their argument is, I deserve this. I've gone through too much. I deserve this. Life is unfair. I need to. And they try to justify what they do because they believe life is unfair. They believe God is unfair. Let me tell you right now, and this is what kids do. That's unfair. That's not fair. How come? Why not? And that's the complaint that many, even adults, have. It's not fair. It's not fair. How come? And if that's your argument in your heart, you will live mood over mold. I want you to know that God is more than fair. More than fair. Glory to God. Thank God for his fairness. Thank God for his justice. You're, you're in good company if you felt this way. Let me give you a story here found in John 21. This is Peter. Most assuredly, this is, Peter, this is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, he's talking to Peter. When you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. In other words, you did what you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he spoke, signifying what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Imagine that. Jesus died. He resurrected. He's with his disciples. He's giving his disciples some last-minute instructions. He tells Peter, listen, when you were younger, you did what you wanted to. Guess what? When you get older, someone's going to grab you by the hand and lead you to a place you don't want to go. And this he was speaking about the fact that, G that Peter would be, he, he would be a martyr. He would die for the gospel. Peter understood that. He wasn't happy about that. How many people would be happy about, about that? He's like, listen, this is your destiny. You're preaching the gospel, but one day you're going to die just like me. And in the book of Martyrs, you'll see that Peter died upside down, crucified. He died a, he died a gruesome death. And Peter knew that this this would happen to him. You'll see this in his, in his epistle. He spoke of the fact that he would die for the Lord. And when he spoke about it, he was settled at that point. But in this point, when Jesus is speaking to him, nah, Peter wasn't hearing that. Can you think about things you weren't hearing, but when you mature, you're like, you know what? Okay, Jesus, if that's what you're doing, I can accept that. I can think of things. I'm like, Jesus, I don't care. You're going to you're gonna have to come in the flesh and tell me. And even then, I'm going to need another witness. And then you mature in your walk with God, and you're like, you know what, God? Yeah. If that's what you're, if that's what you're requiring of me, okay. That, that's, that's how you know you're living mode over mood. Peter wasn't there, though. Verse 20, Peter said, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast. This is talking about John at the supper. And said, Lord... Who is the one who betrays you? Peter seeing him and said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What about this man? The one that leaned on you and asked who is the one that's going to betray you? What about him? You just told me my destiny that I'm going to die for you, but what about him? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? In other words, mind your business. That's what he said. Mind your business. I'm talking to you. 
What is that to you? And I think that's what Jesus is saying to a lot of people. Mind yours. What is it to you that someone else is in a marital or, or extramarital relationship that they should not be? Pray for them. But don't use their life as an example of why you should just do what you want to do. Well, this person, well, you know what? Every Christian living. No, not every Christian living like that. Don't try to build up an argument for why you want to live in the flesh. What is that to you? I got people, you know, I people, how come this person, you know, they, they, they don't seem to be, you know, living this way. They, they, they don't seem to be doing this. What is that to you? Pray for them. You follow me. If you're going to live mode over mood, you've got to take your mind off of this deception that Satan constantly wants to put in your mind. God isn't fair. God is, God is more than fair. Look at Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust. He's not what? Unjust. What is God not? Unjust. Say it loud. He's not what? Unjust. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God isn't unjust. Glory to God. One of the reasons why we have a struggle with this is because we think justice, and this, I'm going to touch a little bit on, I don't want to get too political here, but I'm going to get a little political here. Um, we think justice and fairness means equality. Now, don't, don't walk out now. Let me explain what I mean. Sometimes we look at what's right, and we say, oh, what does the word right mean? Equal. Right? We look at equality as fairness. And I understand. I would say fairness has a part of equality, but fairness is broader than that. Broader than that. So, God will deal with you differently than he will deal with you. Not equally, but fairly. Why? You're a different person. You understand differently. You have different experiences. So, he requires certain things from you that he won't from you. Fair, not equal. So what happens here, especially in our, polit in, our, in our political world, where the word equality is a buzzword, right? Quality, quality, quality. And I get it. Let's just deal with gender equality. There's a push many times for neutralizing gender, making gender a non-factor. Why? Because history has shown that men have been abusive to women, Men have been cheaters, liars. Men have had the power, right? So to neutralize that, let's say anything a man can do, a woman can do also. I'll give an example. I'm seeing this a lot more. Men have gotten, quote unquote, away with being loose sexually. I'm going to use a different word, but I'm not going to. Men have gotten away with being you know, very free 
in that regard. They can just be with multiple women, all that, and they, it's not, they're not given a bad rap. A woman does it, then she's given a bad rap, right? So what, what's the push? Hey, let's normalize the behavior so that when a woman does it, she's not looked upon a certain way. No. Let's condemn the behavior from men and not accept it rather than say, if a man can do it, so can I. No, a man should not do it. That's the message. A man should not do it. Not if a man can sleep around with all that he wants to sleep around, so can I. No, he can't and you can't. That's not the way of God. But when a man has the power and has the ability to influence society more than a woman, history would show. What do you do? The only thing you can do is to neutralize gender and to say whether male or female, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. If you're a man, be proud that you're a man. If you're a woman, be proud that you're a woman. Don't allow the world to strip away the value of gender because it comes from God, both male and female. Both male and female come from God. Don't go the route to say that in order to make things fair, it's got to be equal. No, equality is not always fair. No, 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 don't fall into that trap. Because women and men are equal in value, but different in expression. And that's what you have to appreciate. You're equal in value, but different in expression. So don't try to copy everything a man does. A man, you shouldn't copy everything a woman does. No, you can be equally valuable, but be proud of who you are, who God made you to be. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be proud of who you are. And so, I go through this a lot with my daughter, you know. That's not fair. Yeah, daddy gets the big piece of the chicken. That's right. <laughs> because I'm older. Because I paid for the chicken. <laughs> and I want the breast. It is fair. <laughs> I'm joking, but you know what I mean. Right? God will deal with, we said this on Tuesday, there'll be certain things that will be a sin for you that will be okay for you. God will be like, listen, no, 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 no. I've, this, I don't want you in this. This is okay for you. That's not fair. That's not equal. It is fair. You're two different people. God is dealing with you differently. Equal in value, different in expression. Are you hear what I'm saying? Now, there's certain things that are universally, you know, the word of God. Everyone has the word of God to live by. But there'll be certain things the Lord will say, no, for you, that, that club scene is done. You're, you're done with that. You're done with that. That, I, I, that, I'm doing something different with you. But what about this person? This person's clubbing. Don't worry about that person. Don't worry about that person. I'm, I'm, I got my own relationship with this person. You, you ain't going to that club anymore. And that person is, yo, having a good time. Yo, it was lit. And you mad. <laughs> Jesus won't let me go. Yeah, he won't let you go. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. I believe that. I believe that we all have personal. Now, again, the, the written word is for everybody. But there'll be certain things the Lord will deal with individuals about that he won't deal with another person. And such is the case with your call. This is why if you want to live mode over mode, take your eyes off of people. Take your eyes of what's going on in this person's life. And this person, what's going on, how come? No, take your eyes off of that. Lord, what are you saying to me? What's your best in my life? What is your standard for me for this season? How do I raise my children? I'm not in competition with my siblings. I'm not in competition with my friends who their kids are doing this. No, what are you saying for me? I'm not trying to measure up with someone else. What are you saying to me? That's how you live mode over mood. If you don't live like that, you'll be very temperamental, doing things just to keep up with other people. Was that, was that helpful for somebody? Somebody said, God is fair. God is fair. He's very, very fair. Even when you don't understand certain things. So, yo, listen, let me tell you something. I've been, I've, I've been, I've experienced things where I'm like, God, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Like, what else do you want from me? <laughs> All right? Anybody ever prayed that? Like, Jesus, what else do I, must I do? <laughs> but one thing I don't do is I don't accuse God of being unfair. Lord, there's something that I must understand. Give me better understanding. Praise the Lord. Number two, another thing that people have a big misunderstanding of. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. Now, I'm going to give you a familiar portion of scripture that we know, but I'm going to read it in its context. Okay? So Philippians 4, 10 to 13. It says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Paul was talking to the church of Philippi, and he was saying, I'm rejoicing because you guys are being a blessing to me again. Like before, you guys couldn't, but now you are, and I'm happy about that. So Paul was in prison at the time. He was relying on churches to support him, to care for him. Apparently, there was a season where they weren't able to. They, they just were struggling, whatever the situation was. And he says, listen, I'm so glad that you're at a place now where you can care for me, right? Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. In other words, I know you always cared, but you just couldn't before, right? Now, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Oh, I didn't even want to... I didn't even want to go here. I didn't even think to go here, but let me just, let me kind of take a detour here. Don't hold offense when people can't be there for you. I just feel to tell you, some of you, you've been mad at people because they haven't been as supportive as you feel they should be. They haven't been present as they should be. And sometimes that can be hurtful. I get that. You have, you, you're upset that they haven't been what they should be to you. Paul had an opportunity to be bitter. He says, you know what? But I'm judging this, that you wanted to care for me. You just couldn't. No problem. Right? And this is why. 
This is why. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. Somebody say, I have learned. I want you to learn this. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Think about that. So whether you're caring for me or not, whether you're present or not, whether I need something from you or not, I have learned something. I've learned how to be content. I know how to be abased. How many, how many know how to be abased? <laughs> Somebody's like, yeah, I know how to be abased. I, I, I've mastered that. That means I know how to struggle. I know, I, I know what it is to be low, you know? Right? You're like, oh, yeah, I know that very well. Not really. That's not what he's saying. Not, he didn't say, I have experienced this. He says, I know how to be. There's a difference. You can be, but do you know how to be when you're that? Do you know how to be when you are in a state of lack? Do you know how to be when you're in a state of a dry season? Do you know how to be when people aren't around you, supporting you as you think they should? How are you in those seasons? Do you know how to be when you feel overlooked? Do you know how to be? He says, I've learned this. This is something you have to learn. It's not something that you just know automatically. You have to learn this. I've learned that in whatever state I'm in, how to be abased. I've learned how to do that. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. And this is the only part we know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? That's our favorite part. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, but we don't like 10 to 12. <laughs> yeah. I can, no matter what state I'm in, I'm good. You won't even know. You won't even know that I'm going through something. You won't even know that it's a dry seat. You won't even know because my attitude stays the same. My mood stays the same. You won't even know because I'm not ticked off. I'm not on a short fuse. No, I'm even keel. Why? I'm living mode over mood. I've learned this. I've learned how to abound. I've known how to be a base. I can be full. I can be hungry. No matter what state I'm in, I'm good. That's mode over mood praise the lord i can do all things through christ i can no matter no matter where i'm at no matter what i'm doing no matter what state i'm in i'm good i can do all things through christ who strengthens me i'm speaking that over you every state that you're in you can, when he says i can do all things that means i can be in a state of content and joy and fullness of joy no matter what's going on in my life how many would like that grace Receive that in the name of Jesus. No matter what state you're in, no matter what's working, what's not working, no matter what's happening, no matter who's around you, who's supporting you, who cares for you, who's calling you, who's present, you are good in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's what you need to say. I'm good. and I've learned to be a base. I've learned to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you receive that? So don't say, I can't. I just can't. I just can't take it anymore. I just can't. I just can't deal with this anymore. I, can't. I just can't. No, that's a misunderstanding. 
You're putting that misunderstanding away. Last one. I don't even have a scripture for this, but I'm going to just talk from my heart because I feel this very strongly. Number three, I don't care. <laughs> How many have said that before? I'm done. <laughs> That's the way you say it, right? I'm done. I'm over it. No, you're not over it. No, you're not. Mold over mood. You care. And don't let Satan rob you of your care. Don't let Satan rob you of your affection. Don't allow him to rob you of your joy and cause you to become hardened in your heart where you give up on things and people. You do care because care is in you. Yes, the Holy Spirit is in you. He cares. So you care. Now, there's some things that we shouldn't care about, things that are not part of God's plan for our life. There's some times to cast our care on the Lord, absolutely, where you say, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm not going to lose sleep over this anymore. Absolutely, we should cast those kind of cares. But don't quit on people. Don't quit on your assignment. Don't quit on your mode, on the setting that God has put in your life. Don't quit on your purpose. Don't ever utter those words, I just don't care anymore. No, speak the opposite. I do care. I do care about my marriage. I do care about this job. I do care about this friendship. I do care about praying and seeking after God. I do care about my walk with the Lord. I do care in the name of the Lord, and I'm going to live like I care. I'm not going to abdicate my responsibilities and, and my care and affection. No, I'm going to live like I care because I do. Somebody say, I care. I care. If you've been in this place and you feel like quitting, 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 quitting is not of the Lord. Come on, get your fight back. Get your fight back. Let me encourage you. Get your fight back. No quitting. There's no quitters in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, he who, call, who, who follows me and puts his hands to the plow, you can't look back. Because if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. There's no quitting. There's no quitting in the kingdom. There's no quitting when it comes to your call. You must fulfill God's plan for your life. You must, you must, you must. I think I challenge you. At one point to do a, a search, if, you, if you're into studying the Bible, do a search on the I musts of Jesus. You'll see how many times he said, I must do this. I must do this. I must preach the gospel. I must do this. Jesus lived with mold on his mind. And he had many reasons to say, you know what, I don't care. You guys are doubting me again? Forget you guys. I'm down. I'm done. I'm done. Nope. I'm done. No miracles. I don't want to hear nothing. Jesus could have walked out on many people, people who walked out on him. Guess what? He received them after they came back. Peter, remember him? Nah, I don't know him. Who's that? Nah, son, that's not, nah, that's not me. I don't know him. Denied him three times. Jesus resurrected. Guess what? Jesus received them back. He could have said, I'm done. I healed your mother-in-law. I did this. I did that. I fed you. I did all these things. And you deny me? Jesus cared. He didn't stop caring. So if you're in this place and you feel like, I want to quit, 
Like I heard the Spirit of the Lord tell me once, ago, once, once a while ago, if you feel like quitting, go ahead and quit that feeling. If you feel like quitting, go ahead and quit that feeling. That is not the kingdom of God. Somebody say, I care. I care. I'm going to live mode over mood. Do you receive that? Amen. The kingdom of God is filled with people who care, who go beyond the comforts and the conveniences, who go beyond just what is, you know, suitable for them. Sometimes you have to push past that. And that's what I sense in my spirit. If you've quit, God is calling you back to that, back. Let me help you here. I don't know how many books we sold on this. I don't know if we have them still available. But we made some copies available for sale uh, on fasting. Fasting. Anybody purchased a book, fasting? Okay, so we got a couple people who bought. Um, and if, if you want a book, I, I think they might be available. If not, next week we'll have them available. But fasting is a key to settle your will. If you feel like your will is out of control, get into fasting and prayer. It will strengthen your will and will cause you, it will give you an extra fire to keep going forward. Fasting, it, that's the best way I could describe it. It, it, it quiets the screaming, immature, childish cries of your flesh. It shuts it down and it amplifies the cries of your spirit. Yes, I want God. Yes, I will live holy. Yes, I will fulfill purpose. Yes, I'll be committed to this. Your spirit is crying that. Yes, yes, yes. The flesh is like, no, no, no. And, it, and, and what happens is the voice you hear loud, loudest is the voice that you are feeding. That's the one that you hear the most. It's the one you're feeding. So that's why you go into a fast. Stop feeding the flesh. Shut up. <laughs> Start feeding your spirit more. What happens? That voice of the spirit starts to cry louder. Yes, yes, yes. This is what I want. This is where I feel at peace. I gave you some instructions a couple of weeks ago. Let me give you some instructions again. If you're fasting... First and foremost, I would recommend um, make sure you drink a lot of water, okay? Some people do a dry fast where they don't eat or drink. I don't recommend that, especially if you're not used to fasting. I would say drink water, okay? Now, don't be throwing, you know, sugar in there and, you know, smoothies. Pass it, I could drink water. Don't Don't put bananas in puree. I'm fasting. No, that's not fasting. Just water. So do that um, and have a plan of the things you want to pray about throughout the day. Because sometimes you say, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm excited about praying. And then, okay, my fast begins. Okay, what do I pray about? What do, what do I say? I got, man, I got 24 hours left. I'm gonna be, you know, you don't know, so have a schedule. Plan out how you're going to fast. Plan out what you're going to pray about. List some loved ones in your family that you want to pray for. List your pastor. Amen. Some of you need to be praying more for me. 
Yeah, how about you take an hour out of your day on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, say, you know what, I'm dedicating this to Pastor Ernst. I'm going to be praying for him. I'm going to sacrifice my lunch. Now, you know you love me if you sacrifice your lunch, right? I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice. Don't raise your hand, but I want some of y'all sacrificing your lunch for me. Yeah, I'm going to sacrifice my lunch. I'm going to just pray for my pastor. Lord, cause him to live mode over mood. Cause him to be a voice to this community. Lord, I'm praying for his family. Strengthen him in the name of Jesus. And as you do that, what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to put things in your spirit. Oh, Jesus, I feel that. I need to pray this for him. And blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, Thursday, maybe I'm not feeling my best, but all of a sudden I feel stirred. I'm like, what's going on? It's because someone decided to live mode over mood. Began to pray for me, and when maybe I was in a mood, now I'm shifted back to mode. See, your living mode of a mood is contagious and it affects other people. Amen. So, drink water, have a schedule, pick a day. Lord, you and I, we have a date Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it is. I'm not eating from this time to this time, and I'm dedicating time to pray. That means I'm not on the phone. I'm not watching TV. I'm not hanging out. I'm not watching YouTube worship videos all day. You're like, yo, this is my fast. I'm just no, 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 no. Pray. Worship videos are cool, but pray. Amen. What's gonna happen? Your flesh will start to quiet down. Your your spirit will start to rise up. Clarity will start to form. Strength will start to be received. Joy will start to emerge. Confidence will start to build. Speed will start to gain. You'll start moving quicker. You'll start doing things with more clarity. Why? Because you're quieting your flesh down. How many going to do that in the name of the Lord? Read that book, please. It'll encourage you. It'll give you some more insight on fasting. It'll, it'll inspire you. I believe this is a season of fasting for many of us. Amen. I'm excited about the future. How about you? Somebody say, I'm living mode of a mood. Amen. Who's going to live mode of a mood? Amen. I'm following the dictates of my spirit, not of my flesh. Amen. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.ny.com lifechurch.com